Good morning, church. We are glad that you're here. Uh, if you have your Bible with you, let's open back up to the book of 1 John. 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, you should see a blue one in, underneath the chair in front of you. Uh, we would love for you to have that Bible. Take that one. Open it up with us. John, 1 John, rather. 1 John is toward the back of the Bible. Goes 2 Peter, 1 John. 2 John, right? It kind of makes sense, right? 1 John, 2 John. Uh, almost at the very back of the Bible. If you need a Bible at home, take that blue one with you, please. If you know someone who needs one, take that blue one home with you. And I know Darren said it earlier. If you're our guest today, uh, we're especially glad that you're here. Um, we hope you find us friendly. We hope you're blessed in your time with us in a very difficult season. We hope we can be a, a blessing to you. Um, but most importantly of all, even above all that, we hope you find us focused on Jesus and on the Word of God. Guests, we have a connection card, like Darren said. Fill that out for us. We'd love to have a record of your attendance. Uh, we'd love to send you a thank you for worshiping with us. Um, would you bow with me as we enter this important time together? Father God, the fact that you love us is, um, is so incredible. That you love sinners like me. So, still so broken, Father. Too often pursuing the things of the world. Too often pursuing the things of pride of life. So often just following my own eyes, my own desires. And yet, Father, You love us. You love me. Father, we, we desire to love You the way that You love us. And Father, we know we'll never be able to hit that standard perfectly until we see You face to face. But Father, may, may we help one another love You. And Father, may this love we have for You grow us in confidence that we are Yours. Father, at this time, may Your Word do what You promised that it will do. Father, your, your Word produces fruit in our lives. And Father, sometimes that fruit takes a while to come out. But Father, may we be found, may we be found drinking at the well of Your Word. Drinking deeply. Drinking and drinking and drinking until Your Word produces fruit in our life. Father, I pray that there are those of us here we know that are struggling with assurance and confidence and struggling with sin and Father, may we feel the confidence that comes from knowing that we are Your children. That's what You want for us because You are a good Father. Guide us, Father. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Alright. 1 John chapter 2. We're going to be in little number 15 in just a minute. I'm going to start with a really easy question that seems like it'd be obvious, but it's probably a little bit more complicated than we think. Uh, do you love the Father? Pretty straightforward. Do you love the Father? That is a huge and monumental question for our eternity. And it's a huge and monumental question when we think about the confidence that we have with Jesus. The, the assurance that we have with Jesus. That's the big question. In fact, I think I think the, this entire book, the entire Gospel can be summed up like this. A loving God 
who is bringing sinners to Himself and teaching these sinners how to love Him well. Teaching sinners how to enter into a loving relationship with the Creator of the universe. That's the Gospel. And He does this. He he brings us into this loving relationship by sending His Son to take away our sins on the cross to give us righteousness so we could stand before Him so we could be called sons and daughters of the Most High God. So salvation is not just basic facts. It's not just beliefs. It's not just commitments. Although all those things are part of our faith and are very important parts of our faith, our salvation is first and foremost entering into a loving relationship with God. And since that is true, this question, do you love Him? An important one. But the word love is kind of a squishy word, isn't it? In English, we, we don't really have, we don't really have the, the many words to, to substitute for love. We have one word, love. And so I say, we've heard this before, I say, I love hamburgers, I love the chiefs, and I say, I love my wife, and I say, I love God. And I use the same four-letter word for all of these things. And so it's a squishy term. And so we might be tempted to say, I love God. Like I love a cheeseburger, a good cheeseburger. I love God like I love the chiefs. Or I love God like I love my wife. That's not what we mean. That's not what we should mean. So how should we love God? If you want confidence that you are right with God, We must answer this question correctly. Do you love Him? And what does it mean to love God? And that's where John takes us in this letter of of growing us in our confidence. He asks this question, do you love the world or do you love God? Let's read together. 1 John, big number 2, little number 15. goes like this. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Do you love God? Before we just say yes, we need to talk about what does John mean by the word love? Do you love the world or do you love God? Let's define love. Our love is a little bit squishy. The Greeks wanted to to etch in a better definition for love. And C.S. Lewis, this is my third C.S. Lewis illustration in like four weeks, so I'm feeling pretty good about myself. C.S. Lewis wrote a book called The Four Loves, where he defines the biblical concepts for love. And so, let's ask ourselves, which of these applies to our relationship with God? The first one we see in the Greek language is eros, romantic love. This is, C.S. Lewis says, this is where lovers are, they hunger for one another. They hunger for one another. 
I think when I think of Eros love, I can't help but think of movies, chick flicks. Anybody like chick flicks? Guys, don't be embarrassed. There's some good chick flicks out there. I think of the Titanic, or is it Titanic? Titanic, the movie. Never seen it. The Notebook. I was made to see that. My arm was twisted. I had to see that one. The Notebook. Blah, right? That's Eros love. Is this the kind of love that John is talking about? No. No. Of course not. There's a second type of love in the Greek language. Philios, which is the love between friends. Now we're getting a little closer, right? We could be called, through Jesus, we could be called the friends of God. This is when two people are linked arm in arm, shoulder to shoulder, with a common vision and a common goal. They delight in their partnership, pulling together towards victory. That is Philios love. Love between friends. These are war movies come to my mind. Or the show Band of Brothers about the 101st Airborne. Guys are behind enemy lines and they go shoulder to shoulder to fight the enemy. They defeat the enemy. That's kind of Band of Brothers. That just oozes Philios love. Love between friends. Or sports movies where the team starts out at the beginning of the movie and they hate each other. They don't get along and they're, getting, they're losing and pounded into the dirt out there on the field. And then by the end of the movie, what? They're all brothers. They love each other. They're standing shoulder to shoulder. They win the big game. That's Philios love. Is this the kind of love God is talking about? Again, we can see ourselves. We're friends of God through Jesus. What a blessing that is. But that's not the word that John uses here. There's another. There's a third type of, of love in the Greek language. Storge love. This is love that comes from natural connections. Okay, natural connections. This is my love for my family. Why do I, I love them for a lot of reasons, but that is a natural connection. They are mine by nature. They are mine. These are my children. These are my aunts. These are my uncles. I love them. It's a natural type of love. I think somebody, I heard somebody say on the front row, the Chiefs are this kind of love for me, right? I grew up outside of Kansas City. They're this natural fit. It fits. I love the Chiefs. This is that pair of old shoes that are falling apart, but they just fit you perfectly. They're so comfortable. They fit the contours of your foot. You love those shoes, even though they're falling apart. A natural storge type of love. My Honda CRV. I love my Honda CRV like this. It's 20, 21, 22 years old. I've been driving it for like 12, 15 years, 300,000 miles. I don't want, I, I want to keep driving this car. I love it. I love it. You don't love it because you haven't sat in it for 15 years, right? But there's this natural connection I have with my car. That old sweater. That old pair of shoes. Is this the kind of love John is talking about? No. John is talking about loving the Father with an agape type of love. That's the word he uses. Agape love. So he says, do not agape the world or the things in the world. If anyone agapes the world, the agape of the Father, the agape for the Father is not in him. So what do we mean by agape love? What does John mean by agape love? This is love 
Not based on natural connection. Not based on how my heart feels. Not based on us winning the big game. This is love that is based on transcendental truth. If you're using your handout, I can't spell it either. It's okay. Just give it your best shot. Transcendental truth. But it's an important word. Transcendental. When something is transcendental, it is beyond the ordinary. Beyond the world. Beyond the natural. It it is supernatural. It does not have its feet planted on the earth. It comes from somewhere beyond. Solomon might say it this way, transcendental truth comes beyond the sun. Somewhere out there. Transcendental love is love beyond, above, and deeper than our ordinary everyday experience. When I love somebody like this with agape love, this the reasons for my love come outside of myself. The gas I use to power my agape love comes from somewhere else, not in our world. This is love that is not dependent on us. And this is love that's very important for us in modern American Christians. This type of love, agape love, is not based on feelings. Not based on feelings. It's a very important element of transcendental agape love. Not based on feelings. When I love somebody with agape love, I love them because it's right. To love them. I love them because it is my joyful duty to love them. I love them because it is my oath to love them. My oath. An oath. It's something that's, that's not here. I can't pick it up off the ground and show it to you. My duty is something I can't pick up or I can't reach in my refrigerator and take it out and show you. It is something beyond those things. Duty. Now don't get me wrong, this love we have for God, this agape love, it's not devoid of feelings. Feelings aren't the enemy. But agape love means when all those feelings are stripped away, there's something deeper. There's something higher that compels you to love. That old pair of shoes, that old sweater, my old beat up car. If we strip away our feelings for these things, what are we going to do? We're going to chuck them in the, in the dumpster. Agape love is different. Marriage is the prime example for this. Christian marriage is the prime example. Christian marriage is based on agape love, not feelings. Feelings come and go. Husbands and wives, how do our feel? We wake up one day, our feelings might be you might get mad. You might have a season where your marriage is difficult. We all do. What happens in those? You know, you're still together. Why? Because it's not about feelings. It's about something deeper. Most marriages we have vows when we get married, don't we? 
This is the transcendental nature of our marriage. This is the agape love part of our marriages. We have vows like this. I, Jordan, take thee, Mallory, to be my wedded wife, to have and hold from this day forward for what? Better or worse, for richer for poorer in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish till death do us part. What are we committing to? Agape love. Our love's not based on not on money or feelings or sickness. It's based on something deeper. It's agape love. Paul talks about, he uses this word for in Ephesians 5. Husbands, agape your wife like Christ agapes the church. I think I spend most, most of my time in premarital counseling and most of my time thinking about my own marriage, thinking about these words right there. You agape love your spouse. That's what Christ calls us to. We see this kind of love displayed in our saints, our older saints, when a husband or a wife has Alzheimer's and the spouse takes care of this person in very difficult circumstances. What brings this about? Agape. This transcendental deep love is everywhere in Scripture. We see it in the Old Testament with Ruth and Naomi. We talked about it going through the book of Ruth. Hesed love. Do you remember Hesed love? This is this agape kind. Of, this is, that was, that's the Hebrew word, right? Hesed love. Long-suffering, steadfast love. Is this kind of love. Where Ruth tells Naomi, do not urge me to leave you or return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. Agape. Agape, love, is by far the most frequent word for love in the New Testament. Get a load of this. Agape, your enemies. Agape, your neighbor. Agape, your church. The agape love we have for one another is how we're going to see more faithful followers be made. They're going to know we are his, we are his disciples if we agape one another. Agape. And this, most importantly of all, this is how Jesus loves you, church. Agape, steadfast, never ending, never diminishing, not based on feelings type of love for you. Paul tells us marriage from the very beginning was a, is a, it's, I'm gonna tell, he says, I'm going to tell you a mystery. Marriage from the very beginning of time. God created marriage to, to show us a parable of Christ and the church. So when we say, for richer or poorer, better or worse, sickness and in health, that's how Jesus loves you. With one little difference. Not till death do us part. For eternity. Aren't you glad that God's love for you is not based on how lovable you are from time to time? Or some kind of natural connection that just fits, because sometimes that'll, that'll be gone sometime, someday. He loves you with agape love. This is the word used in Ephesians 2 
best passages. Oh, I love this passage. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great agape with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Even while you were dead, you were a sinner, you were in Satan's army, you were on His team, God loved you with an agape-type love. It's by grace you have been saved through faith. And it's not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Not a result of works. So that no one can boast. Agape love. And so, John says, if you want to grow in confidence for the Father, have agape love for God. Faithful followers have agape love for the Father. We have a transcendental love for the Father. This doesn't mean that we're super duper Christians. This means our love for God goes deeper than our love for anything else. We love God for many reasons. One of them being, we love Him because we know it is right to love Him. It's a good thing for people to love God. That's the way it should be. In fact, it can be said all evil comes about because people do not agape God as they ought to. As is our duty as thinking, created beings who know right from wrong. It is our duty to do what's right. It is our duty to love God. We love Him transcendentally because He is our Creator. We love Him based on something outside of my heart, outside of our world. We love Him John will tell us eventually we love Him because why? He first loved us. His love for me is not in here somewhere. It's not in there. I can't take it out of my refrigerator. It's out there. It's in Him. That's transcendental love. I love Him because He first loved me. And so all other agape love, if you experience agape love somewhere in your life, you experience that because it's based in God's agape love for us. We love God in agape-style love. Faithful followers love Him regardless of our feelings and circumstances. We love Him because it's right. We love Him not because we, we don't we don't stop loving Him when the pandemic gets hard. We don't stop loving Him when we lose our job. We don't stop loving Him when we get sick. We don't stop loving Him when we die or get persecuted. This is the testimony of Scripture. What does Job say? As, as a comfortable American, I need to meditate on this verse more often than I do. Job says, though He slay me, still I will hope in Him. Job, what in the world are you talking about? I'm talking about transcendental love. Though you slay me, I love Him. Paul can sing hymns to God in prison because he has agape love for the Father. Peter can get beat to a pulp and go away rejoicing that he was counted worthy to suffer for the God he loved. So John tells us, if you want to grow in confidence in your salvation, ask yourself, do you love God? Do you agape the world or do you agape love or agape the Father? This is important because this says our, when it comes to the Father, agape love is exclusive. 
exclusive. I wish I was a little clearer on the handout. When it comes to the Father, agape love is exclusive. Because I'm supposed to agape love you and you and you and you and you and you and myself. So it's not, it's not just one person. We love, we're supposed to love everybody. But when it comes to the world, it comes to the Father. Agape love is exclusive. Verse 15, he says it. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, agape is the world. The agape of the Father is not in him. And so, are you, 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 you cannot be married to both the world or the Father. You cannot be allied with the world or allied with the Father. You cannot agape the world and agape the Father. Jesus says you cannot serve two masters. So how can I know if I agape love the world or agape love the Father? How, does, how, can, I, how can I bring this out? How can I put this under a microscope? How can I grow in confidence that I do love the Father? In this way. Read verse 16 with me again. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but it is from the world. Desires of the flesh. So, here's another question. What do you use to try and satisfy your soul. Desires of the flesh are from the world. What do you use to try to satisfy your soul? When we say flesh there, we don't just mean this stuff. When, when the Bible uses flesh, they mean the physical, mental, and spiritual part of ourselves that feels the emptiness we have inside ourselves. That's the flesh. As Scripture is clear, you and I, from birth, our natures have been bent out of whack. They have been etched away in a that, that does not reflect the humanity that God intends for us. We were born with a hole inside of our souls. So if we want to know if we agape love the world or agape love the Father, we need to ask ourselves, what do we use to fill the hole inside of us? This emptiness we all feel, you feel it, whether you know it or not, it's there and you do feel it. We all feel it. This emptiness we have inherited from our forefathers all the way back to Adam. And what happens is this emptiness inside of us as we live our life, this hole gets bigger and deeper. We all carry around things that have happened to us to to stretch this hole dating back to when we were four. We see it in our kids when they're that age, don't we? We see our kids. Things affect them that we can see it and, and their emptiness is growing. And what the world does, the world offers us the same junk it has offered our forefathers for thousands of years to say, you feel that emptiness? Fill it with this. The desires of the flesh. It's not hard to know what that is. You've been in church long enough, you know. Galatians 5 tells us, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, 
sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, uh, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Do you see yourself in that list? These are things that the world offers to try to fill this hole in our souls. It might feel good for a moment. The alcohol, the drugs, the sex, the porn, the power, the anger, the gossip, the slander, the divisiveness, the pride, all these things, the politics, all these things we try to fill in might might satisfy for a moment, but just a moment. The world can never satisfy the emptiness within us. We know this to be true. We see this everywhere, don't we? We see millionaires. We say, man, I wish I could be that millionaire. But we see millionaires who stop at nothing to become billionaires. I would think a million dollars would satisfy. No, they want more. We see billionaires. You look at these guys in the top ten wealthiest people of the world, you say, that should be enough. Go to your private island. Say, no, I'm a billionaire. I want to be a trillionaire. A billion dollars does not fill that hole. Tom Brady, my favorite example. Tom Brady, supermodel wife, probably a billionaire, six-time Super Bowl winner, considered the greatest of all time for just a little while longer. Mahomes is going to get that. But greatest of all time, after winning a Super Bowl, he said this, there's got to be more to life than this. You can't fill the hole in your soul with a supermodel wife, with billions of dollars, with all the accolades that come with a Super Bowl champion. How many amazingly famous men and women die of overdoses of our alcohol poisoning? To agape love the world is to, is to claim allegiance to the world because we believe that it alone will offer us something that will finally fill this hole. Desires of the flesh. But this is God's response to our emptiness. 1 Corinthians 6. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you whom you have from God? God's response to the emptiness in your soul is not to fill it with junk, but to fill it with Himself. He knows you're empty. And He's not going to fill it with second best. He has promised through Jesus Christ to be everything that will satisfy you and your longing and that hole in your soul. It is for God alone to be able to fill that. You're a temple of the Holy Spirit. Jesus comes and what does He say? What's His message? I am the bread of life. All who come to Me will never hunger. What's What's He calling to? That hole in your soul. I will fill it. I am the, I have the, the, the water of, of life. Whoever comes to me will never thirst again. He's talking about that hole in your soul. I alone will fill it. And so, do not seek the desires of the flesh. Pursue the desires of the Spirit. Those who love God with an agape love, pursue the desires of the Spirit. But I say, Galatians 5, but I say, walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. 
Those who agape God have discovered that His grace and mercy and love and His presence that is poured out in our soul, that is satisfying. That's satisfying. So what are these desires of the Holy Spirit? What evidence is there that you are satisfied by God? I want to grow in confidence and know that I love God in an agape way. How do we know? What can we see? Fruit of the Spirit. The desires of the Spirit are these. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control all these things you will not produce on your own you will produce these because you are filled with the spirit and all of these things are evidence of being satisfied in god patience how in the world do i have patience how in the world are you so patient coming to church in the middle of a pandemic how are you so patient with that because you found that god is all satisfied and that is evidence that you agape God. And the Holy Spirit is producing patience in you. Self-control as a gift of the Spirit? How, how can that be? Because self-control is evidence that you have found satisfaction in God. Not in gobbling up everything the world has to offer. And so... Pursuing God with an agape kind of love. Can we still roll back into those other habits? Yes, of course we can. And we're not going to be perfect. But what is our life defined by? Chasing the things of the world? Christians are like this. It's like being satisfied after Thanksgiving dinner. You have your turkey. Got your my mom's chocolate pie. You got rolls. You got green bean casserole. Whatever your thing is, you just stuffed your face with all these good things. That's like with God, you you see all God's good blessings, and you're satisfied by Him in your life. And then the world comes and offers you saltine crackers. Go. I don't got room for that. I got my mom's chocolate pie over here. Every once in a while, we'll be foolish and we'll say yeah i got a little room for one of these saltine crackers and we'll eat it and as believers what do we do why did i do that why did i settle and the holy spirit will gently call us back and say hey come take another bite of this turkey see see what you're missing when you go for that this is the christian life are we satisfied in god the more i am satisfied in him the less i will chase the desires of the flesh how do we know if we agape love God? What's some of the what's the what's evidence that we agape love the world? The desires of the eyes. What do you use to tell you what is good? What do you use to determine what is good in your life? I don't mean like tasty. I don't mean like like preferences. I don't mean like what kind of bur- what do you like on your burger? What movie's your favorite? What's your favorite painting? I mean, what do you use to tell you what is good? Good. What is righteous? What is praiseworthy? What you and your church should pursue? What do you use to tell you these things? The world tells you use your own eyes. That your eyes are trustworthy. You, the world says, your heart, your eyes can tell you what is praiseworthy. And that leads to disaster. 
trying to convince ourselves that we get to determine what's good, good, leads to the Holocaust and leads to slavery. Leads to adultery. And lest we forget, there are more slaves on the planet now than there's ever been in history. Why? People using their own eyes to try to determine what is good. That will never work. Our eyes are not reliable in determining what looks good. We've all made mistakes in our lives that have harmed ourselves and devastated other people. We know that this is true. We need a source of goodness that exists outside of the human race. We need a transcendental source to tell us what is good. Good. We need someone with a divine vantage point which He can reveal to us what is truly good and praiseworthy and worth pursuing. And so, the only persons, only God's three persons, only persons who had that, have that kind of vantage point have given us New eyes. Desires of the eyes or the desires of the Word? What do you use to determine what is good? When we use the Word of God as glasses to look upon the world, that is evidence that we agape love God who gave it to us. Agape loving the world tells us to use our own eyes, our own heart. Follow your own heart. And it's these same eyes that have perpetuated evil and left us empty for thousands of years. Do you agape the world by pursuing the desires of your eyes? Or do you agape the Father pursuing the desires of the world? And finally, do you agape love the world? Do you agape love God? Ask this question. Who is number one? Who is number one? John tells us the pride of life is from agape, the world. Pride of life. I am the most important person. I will steamroll you when you get in my way. In the world, selfishness is a virtue. I don't care what anybody says. Oh no, we're in a more enlightened time. We're, we've, selfishness is a virtue of the world, isn't it? I'm number one. I need to be in first place. I need to look out for number one. That's agape the world. Agape the Father brings the humility of life. I'm last. And that's okay. Because I'm satisfied in God. I can be last. Because I've got the Father. I don't need to be first around here. I've got the Father. We see this all over Scripture. The last shall be first and the first shall be last. If you want to be great in the kingdom of heaven, become a servant of all, Jesus says. Love your enemies. Love your neighbor as yourself. All these things scream out, humility of life. I am last. Humility is evidence that we are satisfied in God, which is evidence that we agape the Father. Now church, we know this is a sneaky one for us, isn't it? Conservative Bible-believing Christians, we can land with both feet on these physical sins that we talk about, the desires of the flesh. Don't get drunk. We're good on that one. Well, we're not good. You know what I mean. We can preach that. We know it's true up here. We might struggle with it back home. But we know it's true up here. We might preach it at you. And we might judge you if you struggle with that. 
sexual immorality. We're, we, we preach that. We scream it at each other. We judge you if you're sinning against, if you're struggling with that. We're good on that, but what we, what we struggle with, church, is this pride of life. That's the sneaky one. That's the one that gets in here and comes, comes about and spreads through whisper. And it is every bit as devastating and as sinful as sexual immorality or adultery, pride of life. I'm trying to get everything that I want because I'm number one. Gossip, divisive talk, critical spirits, all of these things come from the pride of life and they come from an echo of loving the world and not loving the Father. Those who agape love the Father are satisfied in the Father. And are satisfied that their worth is not in how the world sees you or even how you see yourself. Your worth is not if you're first. Your worth is that the Father loves you with an agape type of love. I can be last. I can be last because I'm a child of God. I can be poor because I'm a child of God. I can be quiet because I'm a child of God. I can be uncomfortable because I'm a child of God. I can feel like a doormat sometimes because I am a child of God. I can feel like a punching bag sometimes because I am a child of God. I don't need to get everything I want because I have everything I need and want in the Father. And he ends by saying this, and the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. You will end up where your agape takes you. Agape the world, the world is passing away. You agape the world, you will pass away. All the things we pursue in the world will soon pass away. Our eyes will take us down roads that lead to destruction. The pride of life will leave us alone, friendless, warring and fighting until we pass away to following the Father. Agape the Father leads to eternal life. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. Agape the world, then pass away. Everything the world offers is destined for the grave or the dump. Following our eyes will lead to wicked destruction of ourselves and others. The pride of life will infect all of our relationships. We agape the Father. And we agape the Father. He gives us Himself. And you know what He says? Not only should that be enough, but He says, if we agape Him, not only do we get Him, we get everything else. Christian, do not forget these things that we might not pursue in this life, these desires that we might have and not be pursuing wealth and security and safety, all these things that we might want to pursue now, but the gospel tells us, holds us back from. Guess what? Someday we will have it all. The Father and the world is ours for all who agape the Father through Jesus Christ. Who do you love? Do you love the Father? 